They said that this was an aberration. I don't think that's true. I think... There's no way of having real uh, control of a secret uh, network. Now, I'm not saying that all the people in there are no good or anything like that. Some are very patriotic and admirable men. But it is a kind of occupation that attracts screwballs, paranoids, double dealers, and nuts. That's the voice of a true maverick, I.F. Stone, one of the great figures in American journalism. I sort of think of him as a kind of Edward R. Murrow, but for print journalism. If you can imagine that same dedication to getting the scoop, the uncompromising adherence to the highest ideals, and this pervasive sense of humanity that Murrow had. It's the exact same thing that Stone had, but again, with print journalism. He worked for a lot of different newspapers over the years, but unfortunately, his penchant for taking on pretty much anybody, including J. Edgar Hoover himself in the 1940s, much to Hoover's discomfort, also resulted in him getting fired from a lot of these papers. So what did he do later on? Well, he went back to school and learned Greek, which I think is absolutely amazing. And then he wrote a book called The Trial of Socrates, in which he was able to find some injustice in this trial from 2,500 years ago. What an incredible figure. And as you hear from his voice, he's also this incredibly animated person when he speaks. And I think that's exactly why composer Scott Johnson was so attracted to these recordings done in 1981 of I.F. Stone on NPR. The piece is called Cold War Suite, From How It Happens. We heard a little bit of an excerpt that is the Kronos Quartet performing. It is a Kronos Quartet commission and a perfect example of the composer Scott Johnson's interest in presenting the musicality of human speech. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. On today's show, I'm going to be featuring human speech, composers who have decided to set text but not as sung as narrated. And that's a very interesting challenge. Of course, when you're singing, you can definitely write down specific pitches, and it can integrate easily into the music. But when the text is going to be spoken, it's a whole other set of challenges. And so on today's program, I'll be playing a lot of different pieces and showing how composers have responded to these very interesting challenges. Let's play part of an incredible piece by composer Aaron J. Kernis. This is called Goblin Market, and this is actually the first piece that I heard with narrator that got me thinking about all these wonderful things that composers are doing with narration. The poem, which I had not known prior to hearing the piece either, is by Christina Rossetti. It was written in the late 1800s, and it's this incredible poem. I don't know that she ever wrote another poem after this. It was this incredible burst of inspiration. It's about two sisters who hear the cry of a fanciful market full of goblins. They go there. One of the sisters eats fruit at the market, and this is a very common theme in mythology. If you ever find yourself transported to the netherworld or to any kind of fairy world, don't eat or drink anything. <laughs> you might be forced to stay there, or in the case of the sister Lizzie, you might get very, very sick. And then the goblin market disappears. Now the other sister has to go and find it again to try and cure her, which she does in the end, but both sisters are irrevocably transformed by their experiences with the goblin market. It's an incredibly evocative poem. It's very sensual, and Kernis does incredible things with the music. Let's have a listen to scenes two and three. We're going to hear evening by evening among the brookside rushes, and then one set his basket down, one reared his plate. The New Professionals Orchestra, Rebecca Miller conducting. Our narrator is Mary King. Laughed every goblin when they spied her peeping. 
came towards her hobbling, flying, running, leaping, puffing and blowing, chuckling, clapping, crowing, clucking and gobbling, mopping and mowing, full of airs and graces, pulling wry faces, demure grimaces, cat-like and rat-like, rattle and wombat-like, snail paced in a hurry, parrot voiced and whistler, helter-skelter, helter-scurry, chattering like magpies, fluttering like pigeons, gliding like fishes, Hugged her and kissed her, squeezed and caressed her, stretched up their dishes, panniers and plates. Look at our apples, russet and done. Bob at our cherries, bite at our peaches, citrons and dates, grapes for the asking, pears red with basking out in the sun. Plums on their twigs, pluck them and suck them, pomegranates, figs. Good folk, said Lizzie, mindful of Jeannie, give me much and many. Held out her apron, tossed them her penny. Nay, take a seat with us, honour and eat with us, they answered grinning. Our feast is but beginning. Night yet is early, warm and dew-pearly, wakeful and starry. Such fruits as these no man can carry. Half their bloom would fly, half their dew would dry, half their flavour would pass by. Sit down and feast with us, be welcome guest with us, cheer you and rest with us. Said Lizzie, but one waits at home alone for me. So without further parleying, if you will not sell me any of your fruits, though much and many, give me back my silver penny, I tossed you for a fee. They began to scratch their pates, no longer wagging, purring but visibly demurring, grunting and snarling. One called her proud, cross-grained, uncivil. Their tones waxed loud, their looks were evil. Lashing their tails, they trod and hustled her, elbowed and jostled her, clawed with their nails, barking, mewing, hissing, knocking, tore her gown and soiled her stocking, twitched her hair out by the root, stamped upon her tender feet, held her hands and squeezed their fruits against her mouth to make her eat. White and golden Lizzie stood like a lily in a flood, like a rock of blue-veined stone lashed by tides obstreperously, like a beacon left alone in a hoary, roaring sea, sending up a golden fire, like a fruit-crowned orange tree, white with blossoms honey-sweet, saw beset by wasp and bee, like a royal virgin town, topped with gilded dome and spire, close beleaguered by a fleet mad to tug her standard down. One may lead a horse to water, twenty cannot make him drink. Though the goblins cuffed and caught her, coaxed and fought her, bullied and besought her, scratched her, pinched her black as ink, kicked and knocked her, mauled and mocked her. Lizzie uttered not a word. Did not open lip from lip, lest they should cram a mouthful in, but laughed in heart to feel the 
drip of juice that syruped all her face and lodged in dimples of her chin and streaked her neck, which quaked like curd. At last, the evil people, worn out by her resistance, flung back a penny, kicked their fruit along whichever road they took, not leaving root or stone or shoot. Some writhed into the ground, some dived into the brook with ring and ripple, some scudded on the gale without a sound, some vanished in the distance. smart ache tingle lizzie went away knew not was it night or day sprang up the bank tore through the furs threaded cops and dingle and heard her penny jingle bouncing in her purse its bounce was music to her ear she ran and ran as if she feared some goblin man dogged her with jibe or curse or something worse but not one goblin scurried after, nor was she pricked by fear. The kind heart made her windy paced, that urged her home quite out of breath with haste and inward laughter. She cried, Laura, up the garden, did you miss me? Come and kiss me, never mind my bruises. Hug me, kiss me. Suck my juices, squeeze from goblin fruits for you. Goblin pulp and goblin dew. Eat me, drink me, love me. Laura, make much of me. For your sake I have braved the glen and had to do with goblin merchantmen. Laura started from her chair, flung her arms up in the air, clutched her hair. Lizzie, Lizzie. Have you tasted for my sake the fruit forbidden? Must your light like mine be hidden? Your young life like mine be wasted, undone in mine undoing, and ruined in my ruin. Thirsty, cankered, goblin-ridden. She clung about her sister, kissed and kissed and kissed her. Tears once again refreshed her shrunken eyes dropping like rain after a long, sultry drought. Shaking with aguish fear and pain, she kissed and kissed her with a hungry mouth. began to scorch. That juice was wormwood to her tongue. She loathed the feast. 
Writhing as one possessed, she leapt and sung, rent all her robe and wrung her hands in lamentable haste and beat her breast. Her locks streamed like the torch borne by a racer at full speed, or like the mane of horses in their flight, or like an eagle when she stems the light straight toward the sun, or like a caged thing freed, or like a flying flag when armies run. Swift fire spread through her veins, knocked at her heart, met the fire smouldering there, and overbore its lesser flame. She gorged on bitterness without a name. of soul-consuming care. Sense failed in the mortal strife. Like the watchtower of a town which an earthquake shatters down, like a lightning-stricken mast, like a wind-uprooted tree spun about, like a foam-topped water spout cast down headlong in the sea. She fell at last. Pleasure passed and anguish past. Is it death? Or is it life? for her breath, held water to her lips, and cooled her face with tears and fanning leaves.
laughed in the innocent old way, hugged Lizzie, but not twice or thrice. Her gleaming locks showed not one thread of grey. Her breath was sweet as May, and light danced in her eyes. Two scenes from part one of Goblin Market by Aaron J. Kernis, inspired by the very famous poem by Christina Rossetti, actually the very first poem that Poetry Magazine ever published here in this country, in fact. We heard scene two, Evening by Evening, Among the Brookside Rushes, and scene three, One Set His Basket Down, One Reared His Plate. It was the New Professionals Orchestra, Rebecca Miller was the conductor, and Mary King was the narrator. I'm featuring composers who have chosen to set text for narration, not to have it sung on today's relevant tones. The next piece I'm going to play a little bit of is Words by Roald Dahl. Of course, if you're a composer and you're setting text for narration, it's no surprise that a lot of the text that's out there that's been set this way is children's stories. It makes a perfect combination, I think, with music. But I didn't want to play just any old children's story, so I thought Roald Dahl would be a fun choice. This is from the collection called Dirty Beasts, and we're going to hear a piece called The Tummy Beast. Music of Martin Butler. This is the Soundwood Ensemble. David Campbell is the conductor. Richard Stilgo, the narrator. The Tummy Beast. One afternoon I said to Mummy, Who is this person in my tummy? He must be very small and thin, or how could he have gotten in? My mother said from where she sat, It isn't nice to talk like that. It's true, I cried. I swear it, Mummy. There is a person in my tummy. He talks to me at night in bed. He's always asking to be fed. Throughout the day, he screams at me, demanding sugar buns for tea. He tells me it is not a sin to go and raid the biscuit tin. I know quite well it's awfully wrong to guzzle food the whole day long. But really, I can't help it, Mummy, not with this person in my tummy. Horrid child, my mother cried. Admit it right away. You've lied. You're simply trying to produce a silly, asinine excuse. You are the greedy, guzzling brat, and that is why you're always fat. I tried once more. Believe me, mummy, there is a person in my tummy. I've had enough, my mother said. You'd better go at once to bed. 
Just then, a nicely timed event delivered me from punishment. Deep in my tummy, something stirred, and then an awful noise was heard. A snorting, grumbling, grunting sound that made my tummy jump around. My darling mother nearly died. My goodness, what was that? She cried. At once the tummy voice came through. It shouted, Hey there, listen you. I'm getting hungry. I want eats. I want lots of chocks and sweets. Get me half a pound of nuts. Look snappy or I'll twist your guts. That's him, I cried. He's in my tummy. So now do you believe me, mummy? But mummy answered nothing more. For she had fainted on the floor. music inspired by the much-beloved Rolled Doll. The piece is called The Tummy Beast, part of a collection called Dirty Beasts, and each of the stories is about a different beast. I love Rolled Doll. He is simultaneously funny, fanciful, and a little dark. It's an amazing combination. The music there was by Martin Butler. We heard the Soundwood Ensemble, Richard Stilgo narrating, and David Campbell conducting. I think that setting the words of Martin Luther King for narrator and orchestra would be a very daunting task for most composers, but perhaps Joseph Schwantner is exactly the right guy for the job, one of the premier orchestral composers of our time, and somebody who's given to, I think, grand and sweeping gestures that would be very appropriate for the soaring words of Martin Luther King. Let's have a listen to a little bit of a piece called New Morning for the World, featuring the words of Martin Luther King. We're going to hear an excerpt because it's rather a long piece. This is the Oregon Symphony, James DePriest conducting, Raymond Baysmore is our narrator. Again, this is Joseph Schwantner's settings of the words of the great Martin Luther King Jr.
comes a time when people get tired. Tired of being segregated and humiliated. Tired of being kicked about by the brutal feet of oppression. To let the nation and the world know that we are tired now. We've lived with slavery and segregation 345 years. We've waited a long time for freedom. I am proud to say that this recording and the music it contains were inspired by the word and works of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., my husband. When you listen to Joseph Schwantner's Daybreak of Freedom, New Morning for the World, you will hear words that were spoken and penned by Dr. King during the civil rights movement of the late 1950s and early 1960s. The message his words convey is amplified by the music which accompanies them, and I believe that you will find that message as powerful and important now as it was those many years ago. 
Those are the words of Coretta Scott King from the liner notes to the CD. We heard a little bit of New Morning for the World by Joseph Schwantner. Again, I think it would be such a daunting task to set the words of the great Martin Luther King Jr. for orchestra and narrator. You really want to do justice to them, but you don't want to overshadow them either. I think Schwantner's done a really great job. There are these sweeping gestures in the orchestral part, but then it subsides to allow this great, wonderful, deep, resonant voice of our narrator, Raymond Bazemore, to come in. There we heard the Oregon Symphony, James DePriest conducting music of Joseph Schwantner. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. Today, I am talking about composers who have decided to set text as narration rather than sung. You can find out more information about the program on Facebook or on our website at relevanttones.com. Featuring music today by composers who have chosen to set text as narration rather than as sung. This, of course, would present all kinds of different challenges. When you're working with singers, they are musicians. They're trained to blend with the ensemble. And so I don't think you have to worry too much as the composer about how that blend will happen. But with a narrator who may or may not be a musician and who is telling a story that uh, really needs to be heard over the music. You have to really think about the narrator's role in the ensemble. Very challenging kind of thing to do effectively. Let's have a listen to a composer who brings, I think, a sense of humor combined with, well, a sense of menace to this challenge, and that is David Lang in his piece, Are You Experienced? You may recognize that title as the classic album by Jimi Hendrix and, of course, the great song of the same name. But here Lang is not representing that album musically, however, but responding to how some commentators have said that the album represents Hendrix giving himself over to pleasure and to hedonism, losing his mind, as it were. In his Are You Experienced, Lang has a narrator describing a listener's experience in which they are just losing their mind in general. The narrator is alternately helpful and menacing, issuing several different commands, including dance and drop. Let's have a listen to two movements, On Being Hit on the Head, and then we're going to hear movement four, On Hearing the Voice of God. Each is followed by a command. The first is dance, the second is drop. So we're going to hear just a little bit of those movements so you can hear what they sound like. Dance, I think, is self-explanatory. Drop refers to the terrifying command that teachers would give school children in the 1950s in the event of a nuclear attack. Let's have a listen. Here's David Lang himself narrating. Jay Rosen is the solo tubist, and we're going to hear the Nouvelle Ensemble Moderne, Lorraine Valancourt conducting. Hello, I'm David Lang. I know you were looking forward to hearing this piece, but something terrible has just happened. While we were busy setting up, someone crept up silently behind you and dealt a quick blow to the side of your head. As you fell towards the floor and began losing consciousness, a number of disconnected thoughts crowded into your head. Here are a few of them. What? What? What happened? That felt like a blow to my head. That's twice this week. What did I do? Why do they always pick on me, huh?
Why did I go to that concert anyway? I can feel I'm falling. How fast is my head approaching the floor? 16, no, 32 feet per second. Per second. It feels much slower than that. Relax. Be all right? How will I get home? How do I act? Am I dressed right? I've never been unconscious before. I hope my mouth isn't open. truth now say it the truth again Remember, tell me, trust me.
drop. music by David Lang, typically kind of a convoluted piece, meaning that you have to really know what's going on to appreciate it. So I played two movements that were with the narrator, and then just a little bit of two movements that were music only to give you a sense of where it was going next, because most of Lang's pieces have these large-scale constructs that don't have anything to do with music. And this is a very typical example of that. Here, the narrator is describing an experience in the second person in which you, the listener, have been hit upon the head at a concert, presumably a new music concert, and then there are several hallucinatory things that happen to you, and the narrator is your guide, alternately a uh, kind of consoling person, and then a menacing person. We heard on being hit on the head, followed by just a little bit of dance when the narrator tells you to dance, and then on hearing the voice of God, followed by just a little bit of drop. And again, that references teachers telling school children in the 50s to drop in the event of a nuclear attack. You can well imagine that to the children, the voice of the teacher would be like the voice of God, but here in a very, very frightening sense. Music of David Lang, who was also the narrator. Jay Rosen was the solo tubist. And we heard the Nouvelle Ensemble Moderne, Lorraine Valancourt conducting. I can't think of a better composer to turn to next than Michael Doherty, who is so inspired by and interested in Americana of all kinds, but especially pop culture from the 50s. And this piece is called Sing Sing, referencing, of course, the famous prison in New York. The text is by J. Edgar Hoover. In fact, we're going to hear the voice of J. Edgar Hoover himself, more or less defending the FBI, the controversial program that he had created not too long before the recording that we're going to hear. This is from this wonderful disc that I featured a little bit earlier by the Kronos Quartet called Howl USA. Let's have a listen to the marvelous Kronos Quartet performing Sing Sing by Michael Doherty. I hope that this presentation will serve to give to you a better knowledge and a deeper understanding of your FBI. FBI. Your FBI. FBI. Your FBI. FBI. Yeah. 
at your watch this morning. Look at your watch this morning. Look at your watch this morning. As it ticks off 12 seconds. As it ticks off 12 seconds. Look at your watch this morning. A murder. Look at your watch this morning. Every 46 seconds. Look at your watch this morning. There's a burglary or assault to kill each seven minutes. As it ticks off 12 seconds. A robbery. As it ticks off 12 seconds. Every hour. A major crime has been committed somewhere in these United States. Another serious crime is added to the nation's hope. The growing menace of communism arouses the House of Representatives Un-American Activities Committee. Among the well-informed witnesses testifying is J. Edgar Hoover, head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mr. Hoover speaks to the party of the country. Communism. The enemy. Nikita Khrushchev, deadly menace, communists and their dupes. Play it dirty or you are not a communist. Atheistic communism, enemy of the American people. Thank you. The FBI. Fidelity. Bravery. And integrity. The world 
is today witnessing a giant ideological battle, a battle for the hearts, minds, and souls of men, women, and children. The communists desire to destroy our cherished liberties and establish a dictatorship. They are working to make this nation part of a world communist empire. This is the danger which we face today. The time has come for Americans to wake up. We can and will win this battle. The stakes are high. We cannot afford to lose. If the communists take control, our entire civilization will be destroyed and mankind will be rolled back to barbarism. Very often the question is asked, what can I, as one citizen, do to defeat communism? My answer is that you can do a lot. Keep it a secret. 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 Open the files of the FBI. Open the files of the keep it a secret. Open the files of the FBI. Open the files of the keep it a secret. Open the files of the FBI. Open the files of the keep it a secret. Open the files of the FBI. Open the files of the keep it a secret. is a protest. Fear, fear, fear silences the voice. Fear, fear silences the voice is a protest. There is no place in America for vigilantes, rabble-rousers, the lunatic fringe, 
silences the voices of protest. Fear silences the voice of our society. Fear silences the voice, ladies and gentlemen. Fear silences the voice we cannot afford to lose. Fear silences the voice there can be no compromise. Fear silences the voice the FBI. Fear silences the FBI. Fear silences the FBI. Fear silences the FBI. Fear silences the FBI. Fear. He can't get away with it. I thank you. What a highly charged piece. Very typical music of Michael Doherty. By typical, I mean that he has a sense of kind of coloring outside of the lines, if you will. His music is so exaggerated, very, very gestural. It would fit well almost in a cartoon, and I don't mean cartoon E. This is a very visceral cartoon that really punches you in the gut. We heard the Cronus Quartet performing Sing Sing, and they were accompanied by the voice of J. Edgar Hoover, the founder of the FBI, defending the FBI, defending the American way of life, and extolling a very paranoid point of view that fortunately is no longer with us Wonderful music from this great album, Howl USA, featuring all composers working with narration. For the last piece on the program today, I'm going to return to this great album, Howl USA, and we're going to feature the title track, Howl, by Allen Ginsberg. Of course, the really, really famous beat poem, and deservedly so. But the other reason that I'm returning to this album, in addition to its overall excellence, is that this piece is by composer Lee Hyla, who, although I did not know personally, was a major figure in contemporary classical music and who unfortunately passed away rather suddenly recently. We're going to hear movement two of Howl. This is Allen Ginsberg narrating, again, the Kronos Quartet, performing the music of Lee Hyla. What sphinx of cement and aluminum bashed open their skulls and ate up their brains and imagination? Moloch, solitude, filth, ugliness, ash cans and unobtainable dollars, children screaming under the stairways, boys sobbing in armies, old men weeping in the parks. Moloch, Moloch, nightmare of Moloch. Moloch the loveless, mental Moloch, Moloch the heavy judger of men, Moloch the incomprehensible prison, Moloch the crossbones, soulless jailhouse and congress of sorrows, Moloch whose buildings are judgment, Moloch the vast stone of war, Moloch the stunned governments, Moloch, whose mind is pure machinery. Moloch, whose blood is running money. Moloch, whose fingers are ten armies. Moloch, whose breast is a cannibal dynamo. Moloch, whose ear is a smoking tomb. Moloch, whose eyes are a thousand blind windows. Moloch, whose skyscrapers stand in the long streets like endless Jehovah's. Moloch, whose factories dream and croak in the fog. Moloch, whose smokestacks and antennae crown the cities. Moloch, whose love is endless oil and stone. Moloch, whose soul is electricity and banks. Moloch, whose poverty is the specter of genius. 
Moloch, whose faith is a cloud of sexless hydrogen. Moloch, whose name is the mind. Moloch, in whom I sit lonely. Moloch, in whom I dream angels. Crazy and Moloch, and Moloch, lack love and manless and Moloch. Moloch, who entered my soul early. Moloch, in whom I am a consciousness without a body. Moloch, who frightened me out of my natural ecstasy. Moloch, whom I abandon. Wake up in Moloch, light streaming out of the sky. Moloch, Moloch, robot apartments, invisible suburbs, skeleton treasuries, blind capitals, demonic industries, spectral nations, invincible madhouses, granite monstrous bombs. They broke their backs lifting Moloch to heaven. Pavements, trees, radios, tongues, lifting the city to heaven which exists and is everywhere about us. Visions, omens, hallucinations, miracles, ecstasies, gone down the American river. Dreams, adorations, illuminations, religions, the whole boatload of sensitive boats. Breakthroughs over the river, flips and crucifixions, gone down the flood. Highs, epiphanies, despairs, Ten years, animal screams and suicides. Minds, new loves, mad generation, down on the rocks of time. Real holy laughter in the river. They saw it all. The wild eyes, the holy yells. They bade farewell. They jumped off the roof to solitude. Waving, carrying flowers down to the river, into the street. That's a little bit of the great poem, Howl, really defined an era, the Beat Generation, by Allen Ginsberg. We heard the voice of Allen Ginsberg himself narrating. Wish I could play the entire poem, but as you probably know, it's rather a long poem, so we can't feature the whole thing. But that album, Howl USA, by Cronus Quartet, has the entire poem, and it's absolutely wonderful, as are all the other tracks. Was movement two of Howell, again, Lee Hyla, a fantastic composer and someone I'm really pleased to be able to feature on Relevant Tones. What a great variety of pieces we had on the program today. And of course, there are so many reasons why a composer would choose to set the text as narration rather than sung. It's sort of hard to imagine that Roald Dahl song, for example, sung. It almost needs to be narrated. It has a very sing-song quality to it, yes, but uh, it needs to be spoken to get that sing-song quality. If you actually verge over into song, then I don't think it works as well. And of course, the composer had a great sense and knew that that was the case. And then, of course, there's the case of these great personalities I just can't imagine treating the gravitas of Martin Luther King Jr. in a song. It really has to be narrated. And so it's a great choice by these composers to set these enduring words to narration and let the inherent musicality of language speak for itself. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders. For more information about the program and the artists we've featured, you can find us on Facebook, and you can hear this and all previous programs at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is brought to you in part by the generous support of GCM Grubner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, an anonymous donor, 
and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.